0: Hi there, collaborators. Welcome back to another episode of the CoLab podcast uh, where we're going to give you some super juicy, valuable insight into a way to grow your business that really doesn't cost you much or anything to get started. Uh, It just takes dedication, time and stretching yourself outside of your comfort zone. So to help you understand today's topic a little bit more, I wanted to share with all of you how Andre and I are using content in our mortgage business and explain the results it's had on our growth and our team. So when Andre and I became business partners back in 2016, we had to create a new website with our new brand, our new locations and the products. And we dug into the importance. I think it was a week or two ago on the app on the podcast about the things that we thought about when we were building our website that we will put a link in the show notes. You can reference that. And we really just talked about the importance of a website. But we didn't stop after designing the website and the foundation info from that website, we decided to go a little bit further. And it was when we hired Eric, our marketing director, who we interviewed also in a previous episode, when he came into the company, he said, we need to be, you know, putting out a blog every week. So initially we hired a writer to do this. You know, then we went from having a writer do it to we asked our whole team of at the time 15 for everyone to write, you know, one blog a, a, a year. And then we'd fill in the gaps uh, and we'd also still use a writer, but this has turned out to be one of the most valuable priorities that we committed to. When it comes to transitioning our business away from, you know, needing Andre and I in the business to being able to generate customers that our team can talk to and convert on their own. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about when you talk about blogs and content, which is the topic we're going to be going over today. And we have. Uh, another business owner who has has really done a great job with content as well. So this topic today and the guests that we're going to be bringing on will help you understand the results that you can also have in your business. Because as I always say, if two businesses that have kind of a boring topic, not everybody goes out searching for mortgages all the time. If we can get customers and views simply by being consistent and persistent, then you can too.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to welcome today's guest. Uh, I were acquaintances through a bunch of friends. And then finally, I just met Scott um, a few weeks ago in Atlanta. And Scott's an entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur basically his whole life since 1998. He's been in the mortgage industry. Um, and his special talent is solving difficult challenges with out-of-the-box solutions, we'll which like I know that. somebody else likes that yes, over here. Yes, yes um but i've heard of scott through so many channels in regards to like if you need bankruptcy questions scott's the guy to go to and then that's how i kind of started to hear of scott um he's passionate really about those um tough situations um so for all of you who have uh, different businesses and different industries and different channels you know scott's going to share with us how uh those questions that your consumers are asking um how that can potentially help you um and uh you know what they really want what do your customers really want to know so i want to challenge some of you to think outside of the box today and really dig deep into the needs of your cons- consumers you know what are they asking uh what are the things that they're confused about uh what's the wrong information that's fed out there because that is where content comes in and becomes the gold to your customers to your business to your online presence um and again scott's been doing this for way longer than any of us have um you know he goes back all the way to 2007 writing about you know complicated situations um and he now he has this website which is findmywayhome.com um and i really just want to get into the episode at this point so i would love to introduce uh to you scott scott are you there I am here. Thank you so much for having me on, you guys. I appreciate this. And kudos
2: for tackling this topic. This is... Um, I think this is a very, very important topic
1: in today's market.
0: Yeah. People just don't realize how much how much value it brings to business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Scott, thank you for uh, spending some time with us today and, and sharing with your experience with our listeners um, about what we're about to talk to today. Um, can you share with everyone a little bit about your journey into opening up your own business? You know, where you got your customers from when you started um, and how you started using content just briefly and the impact and the effect that uh, it has on your business this day?
2: Yeah. Uh, so it was, yeah, I mean, bef- this was so I basically in 2007, it was right before. For the crash but i mean it was crashing already in fourth quarter 2007 Mm -hmm. we already saw it coming um i think some of the companies had already gone out of business by that time um i had always focused on first-time buyers so i would get business uh from uh realtor referral partners and just a lot of referrals and repeat referral business i've been in the business for 20 years so uh we So what had happened is when the, when the crash hit, I instantly recognized and it wasn't difficult to recognize because we were literally in the news cycle, 24 seven, that Mm -hmm. mortgage brokers were pure evil and the, and the cause of the entire real estate crash. Like it was literally, you couldn't turn on the news without them talking about how bad mortgage companies were and how they were ripping people off. And we kind of became the scapegoats, especially the broker industry, um, Because, you know, the banks could say, well, we're a bank, we're FDIC insured, we're responsible, it's those other guys. And and so I recognized instantly that uh, consumers do not trust loan officers. They're not going to trust loan officers for a very long time. So I wanted to find a way to communicate and express my expertise and my professionalism to consumers in a medium that they could access on their own time at their own schedule and that was just Mm -hmm. being found on google so i learned wordpress um in 2007 i think it came out in 2006 it's way easier now than it was that that long ago and it's it's really kind of funny so i i literally started with um I was in California. I started with a special state of California housing finance agency uh, assistance program for teachers that worked in Title I high-priority schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is low-to-moderate-income schools. And there was a special program that would give them uh, down payment assistance. And so I learned about this from the state housing finance agency. And they basically said, well... Uh, how you find out if somebody qualifies is when you're talking to a teacher, go to the state of California uh, Board of Education site, look up the school, see if it's a Title I school. So my devious little mind said, OK, well, I'm going to start at the state of California uh, website, find all the Title I schools. Then I went to the website for every Title I school, went to the Staff page and started emailing all the teachers, asking them if they heard about this program. And nobody got mad at me. You know, it was a little renegade. It was a little, <laughs> it, was, it was a little gray area, maybe. We didn't have canned spam back then, um, but nobody was mad at me. And people wanted to get more information, so I found myself continuing to answer the same questions over and over again. And a, a good friend of mine once said that I couldn't agree with more. Um, there are not ten thousand questions about a mortgage. There are 10 questions asked 10,000 ways. And and so what I started doing is I learned WordPress and I started writing the answers to all the questions that these teachers were asking. So when they would respond, I would just send them a link to that article. And then they would read the article. They would recognize that I was an expert in this program. The very next communication was great. What's the next step? So That pretty much got me going. It took, I didn't close my first loan off of that website for 18 months. It was a year and a half later. It was the middle of 2019 um, until I closed my first loan. But I spent the next 10 years writing two to three articles a week. Wow, Um, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. It's like, I look back at my first blogs and they were just horrible. Like the very first one was, hi, this is my first blog, you know, it's like you write that out, which you're never supposed to do. <laughs> but, but I did it. And, um, and so then in February of 2011, um, I recognized that there was going to be a lot of confused consumers around how to get back into the market after bankruptcy, foreclosure, short sale, and deed and lieu. So because it was, you know, you remember it was, it was bad. And so I became a subject matter expert in all of the guidelines around buying. And then essentially there were waiting periods and then there was all the documentation that was required. So I got out in front of that topic and, um, and I still, to this day, um, I know guidelines that Fannie Mae didn't publish, because when they published their guidelines, I recognized that um, they were kind of skirting around certain things. And the um, sort of the nature of the guideline was such that uh, they had left some specifics out. Sp- specifically in 2015, uh, Fannie Mae changed their guidelines to say four years for bankruptcy. And if you had a subsequent default, a subsequent foreclosure on your home, uh, you could ignore that. And you only had to go by the the bankruptcy waiting period of four years, and you there isn't a separate waiting period um, for a foreclosure, uh, which is different from every other program. Every other program there's a separate waiting period for uh, bankruptcy and foreclosure. So I looked at that, and at the same time they reduced the waiting period on short sale and, and deed in lieu of foreclosure to four years. So I called, contacted Fannie Mae, the head of their project product development. And, and I asked them this and I said, well, wouldn't a short sale or, or deed and lieu also count in this guideline? And they said, yeah, but we don't think it's going to happen often enough. So we're not going to write that. We're not going to publish it, but yes, you're right. It's fine. Well, we've done hundreds, maybe thousands of those that people had foreclosures in deed and lieu. Um, So that's Andre, that's probably where you got that. Um, The Mm -hmm. next big, the next big topic that we, that we identified in 2015 was student loans. So Mm -hmm. June of 2015, they changed all the guidelines for student loans. And then they went and changed, um, probably two or three more times in the next few years. The last update was November 2019. Um, but one of the things that I recognized through all the years on my website is, I can literally bank on the fact that inexperienced loan officers and call center lenders will always drop the ball on these outside of the box scenarios. They don't read guidelines. They're they the the call center is only like vanilla. Um, the people answering the phones aren't real loan officers. They were delivering pizzas two weeks ago. Um, there's no such <laughs> thing push button, get mortgage. It's a lie. We can't say that out there, but all it is, is an online lead form. And then a kid in a call center in Detroit calls them. Um mm-hmm. and, and it's these like, people are four- super
0: stressed. it's like, it's the biggest purchase of their life. It's, it's so it's, yeah. it's, it's horrible, right? When customers come and they have been led astray because the, uh, the industry, right.
2: It, yeah, and and what and kind of what happens is, especially with these kind of out of the box things, is loan officers will either say yes because they're horrible salespeople and they just want to keep them on the hook, and then the underwriter turns them down while they're in escrow, um, or they'll say no because they're ignorant of the guidelines and they don't bother to look them up. Luckily, consumers, we as consumers today, we don't necessarily take no for an answer. We Google it. Right. So if somebody tells you something that you don't want to hear, they go to Google. Um, and I would say that probably high 90% of my traffic comes from people that were already misinformed or told no by another lender and they're searching for the answer. And I happen to be a subject matter expert on, on this wide variety of things that I've just identified over the years. Um, and today, um, our website averages between twenty four and twenty seven thousand unique visitors a month.
0: Wow! And yeah. just to break it down to the basics here, because I think that a lot of people know that they need to have a blog, right? And and just bear with me here. To I think a lot of people know. Okay, I need to have a blog. Like, I need to write something, but they don't really understand what what a, what the blog is doing behind the scenes and over time, and yeah. so. What I'd like to do is if you could explain to anyone listening, you know, who is like, all right, I'm going to do this. After listening to this episode, I'm hearing, I'm understanding the results, but can you just really break down and explain to anyone listening a few things about content, right? Because we've yeah. talked about blog or writing, like what is content? How like, how do we define what content is and, and what forms or ways can it be? presented because it's not just written
2: no no it's not and i've actually completely changed my strategy over the last few years i'm doing everything is video first so with video you always have the ability to transcribe the video and now you're not reading blog posts anymore you can strip out the audio if you want to feed it to a to an audio feed uh even for some time there's plugins in wordpress where you can put the audio feed on the blog post so if somebody wants to listen to it instead of read it but now with the video it's it's not quite the same
1: um also with video real quick i think that's a golden nugget for everybody you know and for those of you listening again scott said do everything with video because you can get it transcribed and turn the video into audio and then into a blog. That is three separate content pieces right there. So that is some great advice that Scott has given you right there.
2: I'm very lazy. I like to do it and then leverage it as many times as I possibly can. And then nowadays, so Google is still the number one search engine in the, on the planet. Um, but for people that are 35 years and younger, YouTube is the number one search engine on the planet, mm-hmm. and then Google is number two. So that's your entire millennial generation. That's the front end of your millennial generation that are all moving into this first time buyer, uh, this first time home, uh, home buyer position. So what types of content? Uh, the, the, I, I think people get overwhelmed with putting content out into the internet because it seems like it's a drop in the ocean. But what what I've always tried to do and in, in, in what I think the best way to explain this is, is you're creating content for one person over and over and over and over again. And you're answering specific questions. Questions You're talking to one person about their situation. So if I'm talking to somebody with student loans, maybe my video is is so you've probably got student loans and they're in an income based repayment plan. You know, today that plan might your 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 student loans may be an administrative forbearance. So you're really talking like you're talking to one single person, because keep in mind individuals are consuming that content and reading it um also be as specific as you absolutely can if you do a video on fha loans you're not going to get any traffic but if you do video about um how to use gift funds and cosigners on an fha loan or what are acceptable gift funds for an fha loan um things like that that are very specific that gets a lot easier um I've always said that the absolute best source of content is the sent folder in your email box. Because every single question that one of your borrowers has asked you is the title of your blog post or of your video. And the answer that you wrote back to them is your video.
0: And that's another golden like, nugget. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to keep love, it. Love well, we'll one. put, uh, sorry, interrupting you, but it's the, you said it's the sent folder in your inbox right
2: it sent folder in your email absolutely yeah because because we get these questions every day and you know again there are not 10,000 questions there's 10 questions asked 10,000 ways and what i w- one of the funnier things that i experience is is because some of those some of those blog posts the bankruptcy one has well over a thousand comments on the blog post. Mm-hmm. A couple of the student loan ones have hundreds of comments and I'll get emails and I'll get phone calls and, 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 and comments from people that say, I read all of the comments and my situation is almost like this person's except. And then the except is like, I was wearing a blue sweater when it happened to me. Like nothing, there is no except the answer is the same. The problem is the same, but everybody thinks that their situation is unique. And the other cool thing about feedback loops on the internet is for every single person that asks a question, you can absolutely count on there being exponentially more people out there that have that same question and they either don't know how to ask it, where to ask it, or they don't know that they should be. So when you're getting this feedback from consumers, there's nothing unique in these, in these situations. So that's a really good one. So the, the, the first two, um, the first two are, or the the first one is being subject matter expertise. Uh, the second one is, is answering questions that you get, uh, that you get from consumers. Um, the third one is success stories, Tell stories about the consumers that you've helped. It, it's just as it's a two or three minute um, and the way that we frame it is we frame it as what is the problem and why was it a problem? Uh, what was the solution? And if you're listening to this, how can you avoid getting in the situation on your own? So can you say
0: that again for us, just repeat it because I was trying to process it and I want to make sure people understand that.
2: Yeah. So, so the format of how you tell your stories is what is the, what was the problem and why is it a problem? Uh, how do you solve the problem? What's the solution? And finally, if you're listening to this, how do you avoid getting into this situation? So, so an example, an example would be, um, an example would be again i go back to student loans because we we literally get probably 8 to 9000 unique visitors a month just on the student loan mm-hmm. topic and, and and so it's like um you know how do you how do you refinance when your loans in administrative forbearance right so you start off with the problem Every, every student loan is an administrative forbearance today. So Mr. and Mrs. Jones contacted me the other day. Um, they were afraid of missing out on the low interest rates because of COVID. Uh, their loans are suspended and they talked to a loan officer and the loan officer said they had to use 1% of their balance because they weren't making payments on their, on their student loan. Well, that's not exactly true. Most underwriters, if you're experienced, they will use your payment plan prior to the COVID. Uh, if you just show them the statements showing that you're still in a repayment plan. So if you're listening to this and if you've ever talked called to a call center, you're probably going to get the wrong answer. I assure you that this can be done. So but but you really want to elaborate and I don't have a specific story, but you really want to elaborate on. Mr. and Mrs. Jones approached me, they talked to three different people, they told them three different things. Um, he, That 1% rule, yes, that applies under these situations, but not for you if you're going through this. So just think about those, think about all of those success stories. Because here's the thing with content is you're not, the reason we do content is not to Deliver the, a specific answer to somebody with a specific question. It's to, it's to show people that we are expert problem solvers. So, so just if they go and they see a library of content of you solving all of these problems, they're going to think, wow, this person really seems like they know how to solve problems. I have a problem. Maybe I should reach out to them, see if they can help with help me. And It's really fascinating because you won't get shopped. Uh, When they contact you, they feel like they already know you. You've already answered their questions. Their first question is, how do we get started? Mm -hmm. And when you look at the repeat and referral business, the lifetime value of a client that you pulled from the depths of of call center hell, um, they're loyal. And they're evangelists. They're going to go out there and and tell people that you were able to help them. uh, And they're very loyal. So, so we've, that's what we've really found. It's a different, it's a different type of relationship as opposed to, um, you know, advertising yourself as a low, low rate leader, Mm. right? Anytime you mention rate, you're training consumers to start shopping right. Because if you say I'm the lowest, they're not going to take your word for it. They're going to go Google it and see if it's true. So, so I try to stay away from 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 that kind of stuff. Um, so, and then the last the last content strategy is just hyperlocal domination. Um, I am a huge proponent of. I called it, I coined it mayorism. I actually wrote a couple articles about it in Realtor Magazine back in 2012. Um, And it really, the premise was that you could essentially be the mayor of your community online like you would be unavoidable if people wanted to know anything about your community and that includes doing interviews like this on StreamYard or zoom um, with the mayor elected officials the local school attendant when are kids going back to school um, work a small business spotlight in there uh, talk about a small business in the, in the community and why you love it. Um, and give exposure to the business owners in the community. So what you're doing is you're not only establishing yourself as an expert of that community, you're also building these reciprocal relationships with important people in the community whose, whose business is basically Having customer bases or having constituents. So you start to build these relationships with these key people and boy, you take a, you take a small pizzeria or something like that in your town and you put them on the internet and you interview them. It's going to blow their mind. They don't have resources like the collab to teach them how to create content and put it online. So they're going to be super excited. And then you have the opportunity to, to say, you know, when you go down to sales, mention my name and he'll give you a free slice, you know, and then you kind of can start leveraging those types of things. And then all of your content is about living in that community. So in this neighborhood, price ranges are this. These are the most popular types of loans. Here's what you need to know about living in this community. Um, and then and, just creating content around that.
0: And it sounds like what you said, just to reiterate it, is you're not always doing just content on your subject matter either. When you talked about your hyper, about the hyper-local content, sometimes it's about other things, right? Like a business in your area. So that's not about mortgages, your expertise, but it's about your, that's what makes it hyper-local. Am
2: I correct? Absolutely. And and it's really just hyper-local is geographically defined, so it's just whatever your community is, and 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 the the benefit there is twofold. Um, you just become known as the uh, the answer person for that entire community, mm-hmm. and then you're really building those local relationships with local business leaders, um, the local authorities, and and the politicians and things like that. Um, so you're building. So content does not replace person to person relationships. It helps amplify it because people will find your content and they'll look you up and they'll say, wow, this person seems like, you know, they really know what they're talking about. And it will strengthen your in-person relationships because it's it's kind of the you know, it's the old saying, well, if it's on TV, it has to be true. You know, something like that. It's, it's like, there's this weird authority that comes with you putting yourself out there and becoming a public face or a public voice. And even if it's a podcast or a video, if you're talking online, there's a lot of people. I mean, I think, um, I think public speaking is like the number two biggest fear that people have. Death is number mm. one, public speaking is number two. So like there's kind of this inherent level of authority and respect and you get escalated if somebody can search for an answer and you come up. Mm. There, there's a there's a lot of perceived authority that comes with that. And then if you actually know what you're talking about, then there's real authority behind that to back it up.
0: No, that's really neat. And I remember, too, something that you're bringing to the top of my mind, and I didn't understand it or realize what I was doing at the time, was when I moved before Andre and I became business partners, I had an old Gmail account, right? megan march twenty two at Gmail. And that's where I had started the my first website where I connected it for videos, for example. and, would just post stuff right here and there. Well, when I left a partnership or I left a company and we had to part ways, one of the things that I've seen twice that we got caught on, and, and this really does come down to content now that I understand it more. And we're talking, these are very intelligent people, attorneys, big companies, Even after we started our new website, new company, new everything, when people would type in even someone like my old business partner's name or our old company's name, my new company would come up because it's remembering all the stuff I did and they would get very upset and they'd want me like, you need to give us that. I'm like, I can't give it to you. That's like work I've done, right? (laughs) Like it's Google antennas, right? are reaching and seeing stuff.
2: That brings up another, uh, another important point in it. And like in the broker space, it's not so much because there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the broker space. Um, but don't, don't go in there and promote your company, promote you, promote your experience, your life experience. Um, because I I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that have, you know, just pushed themselves, created content around a brand that they're no longer associated with. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's a tough situation. It, it, it's, um, you know, create content around, around you. I mean, here's the reality. We literally have these conversations every single day. And, and what I'm trying to promote and what I'm trying to push people to do is to take a moment, flip on the camera and tell the story about that conversation that you just had. It's, it's taking the time to do that. That, um, short term activity, just learn to do that short term activity because the long term benefits of you building a knowledge base that's searchable on Google and YouTube is it grows exponentially. It never stops. It, it, it it continues to grow all the time. And and again, when somebody sees something and they say, see that you have a hundred videos on your YouTube channel and every one of them is you talking about a different situation, they may not even look at any of the videos. They may just say, this person is an authority. This is a problem solver. This is somebody I want to talk to. I
0: love that because we have personally seen that and we've seen this evolution in our business. And you you shared a number, right? I think a little earlier, I was going to share that your blog was getting, I thought, you know, it was like 10,000, you said 20,000 views a month. Like, what has that done for your business? You stated when we started that your business was referral-based. What what does your business mix look like and where do you get it from now?
2: Uh, We actually have a pretty good mix. Um, It's about about a third of it comes from the website now. About a third of it comes from uh, Repeat uh, and referral business. And about a third of it comes from professional referrals. Uh, the repeat, the, the repeat business is, is pretty much all people that have found us through, through the website um, <laughs> it is the primary is the amazing. primary way that they've all, that they've all found us. Yeah. So the, the 10,000 number, it's actually 11,000. I've, and, and this kind of blew my mind. I didn't realize this. So I, I installed Google analytics in August of 2010. So mm. I only have analytics for that period of time. So for a decade um, and I have averaged over 11,000 unique visitors for 10 straight years, every single month for 10 wow. years. And, and that kind of blows my mind, right? It's mortgages. Who cares about mortgages is the most boring topic on the planet. And, but no, they're the consumers are out there. You know, when you, and you, when you think about it, and this is something that I think is really important when we're talking about content is I think sometimes as entrepreneurs and as business people, and, and I kind of blame our industry because, um, our industry has always kind of taught us how to market. Uh, but you're not thinking about the consumer. Think about how you as a consumer shop. And then think about, are you communicating the same way you want to be communicated as a consumer? And, and it, I just see people doing things and putting, sinking money into advertising and Facebook ads. And, and the messaging is just like, really, you think somebody's re- would you fall for that? <laughs> like, would you click that button? That, that just seems like, that seems off. So no, it's it's become a resource. be be become a resource and be a source of source of information. and and kind of the byline or the tagline we always use is educating and empowering consumers. So mm-hmm. my, my mission is to give you enough information so that you have the ability to make an informed decision. And you will find consistently that when you are the source of that education, you are also, end up earning the business. So if you can earn their trust, you can earn their business.
1: Um, Scott, so when, uh, one of the questions that, you know, some of our listeners may have, you know, we've talked about content, the ways that you can write content, um, Mm -hmm. the ways that you can do content, uh, when they're, our purpose to drive content, you know, there, there's a reason or a purpose behind it, right? So, um, is there, should they be asking themselves, is there a purpose or a goal to each piece of content that they're writing um, as they're, you know, considering writing some content for themselves?
2: I think as you evolve as a content creator, you can, you can really kind of start working on things. I wouldn't overthink it though. Um, again, so, organic content is when somebody goes to a search engine and types in a question. So the results you what where I'm getting my results is from what's called long tail. Um, long tail search results mm-hmm. is is really just that entire question. How do I qualify for an FHA mortgage when I have income based student mm-hmm. loans? So like, mm-hmm. like that that's like the title and when see, somebody sees that, and then you're writing about that, um, th- I, I again, I don't overthink it. I mean, a lot of people like to get fancy with copywriting and and clickbait titles, and there's a lot to that, <laughs> uh, but there's also, you know. Just getting it out there is the most important part. And once you get used to that and you start to create that habit and then the content isn't something that takes a conscientious effort any longer, then you can kind of go back and start working on, on your conversion, your conversion points. Um, it is important that you make it very, very easy for the consumer to ask questions Mm -hmm. or reach out to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and not necessarily a, a loan application. Right. So something that they can either, um, put a calendly link on there, schedule a call with me, uh, sometimes live chat. If you're in a position where somebody can man it all the time, mm-hmm. uh, or, or have a comment, ha- open the comments underneath the, underneath the blog post so that people can ask questions because consumers really love, um, and that's really like your social proof. That's your reviews is other. Yeah consumers asking questions and you answering those questions. And then that also contributes to the signals that go to Google because there is, there is a, a consistent flow of very keyword specific content being created under that original blog post. So Google recognizes that as a, uh, an authority source of information.
1: Yeah. Um, Scott, so one, another question that I have is this. This um this topic kind of gives me the heebie jeebies because I, I don't like to write
0: or um, do video.
1: Or do video. Um, so I'm I always shy away from, from writing a blog. Well, I actually shy away from writing every blog. Uh, so what if, you know, what if you're a business owner and you're thinking to yourself, I, I don't know how to write content. Um, and then you just talked about a copywriter, right? Um, which you would shy away from are there ways that business owners or um, entrepreneurs could still push content um, out if they don't want to write it themselves? What other suggestions would you have? Yeah,
2: that's a really good question. I think something is better than nothing, but it, it, it tends to be very generic and broad topics. If you're going to hire somebody from outside the industry, Um, you can hire people from the Philippines and India and all over the place to do writing and they'll do research. But it literally sounds like every other blog post on the internet about the same high level generic, what is an FHA loan kind of thing.
0: What about audio, Scott? So that was one thing that I had suggested for Andre, you know, like video intimidates or writing does. But what about like, I went and found an app for example, on the phone that you talk into it, it transcribes yeah. it, right? And then it's your words as a that expert and then they could send it to a content writer to kind of rearrange it.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good idea. Uh, another thing that I like is, is don't talk into the camera, do a Zoom call with somebody because we do this all day long, especially in the last 18 months from COVID. You're comfortable doing a Zoom call and looking at somebody when you're doing a Zoom call. So I, I say do that. Tell stories of of a loan officer in your office, or interview your processor and, and talk about what is it mm. like. process. Um, invite one of your local real estate agents and talk about what it's like um, with the market today. With it, you know, the crazy seller's market and all cash, um, and do interviews with them and transcribe it. But yeah, transcribing like is transcribing is really good. But it, I, I I also think. And another good way that you can do this is if you have to do if you have to do this, um, maybe do an off camera and off camera is a really good way to do it. Uh, so have somebody that, you know, sit next to you and you're looking at them, but the camera's over here. So you're just talking to them and then you can send that to somebody for post production and they can do the editing and they can put it together and make a cohesive story. And that's really easy to find somebody on the Internet to do. You can go to Fiverr and you can find people that can take your video and edit it into a great story um, and then transcribe that story. Uh, Audio is hard. Audio for me is as hard as just turning on a camera, looking into the lens and just talking. There's, There's no engagement. There's no feedback loop. You can't. You can't really tell if what you're saying is resonating. Um, I would say that's a higher level skill set to be able to do that um, than, than some other ways potentially. But I would say try it and just see how it comes out and uh, try it, have it transcribed, uh, hire an editor uh, on Fiverr or something to go through and make it sound, you know, take out the urs and the ums and make it sound like a cohesive uh, a, a cohesive conversation, but I, I still just think video is, is, is just the absolute best because consumers, um, consumers really want to watch video. They're not reading.
0: The yeah, no,
2: you're right. Yeah, especially
1: this day and age. It, yeah.
0: It, and, and so the app I shared that I, I try, am getting Andre to start using when we do this, um, is it's called Otter. Uh, and for all of you listening, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Are there any, uh, apps, websites, like, you know, Chrome extensions that you use that kind of enhances your content or makes it easier for you, you know, makes you more productive when trying to push content out because when you're busy working, it is hard.
2: Yeah. Um, not really right now. So I did, I... I do like, uh, I use a service called Rev.com, R-E-V.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, they're really, really good. They just increased their prices, but you get a discount if you like connect it directly to your YouTube video. So what I'll typically do on Rev is you pay per transcription type. So I'll do a video, put it on YouTube, uh, uh, privately listed, and then I go through Rev and I'll order a uh, captions. On it. And then Rev will transcribe it, upload it to YouTube for you. And then you get a text version of it. I copy that, paste it, and then kind of break it up and clean it up a little bit. So again, you're doing it once, you're paying for it once, and you're leveraging it and using it. Uh, multiple times. And then that way you don't have to add the transcription file to the YouTube video or anything like that. They do it for you automatically. Um, But that's another really uh, valuable and important point um, is have captions on your videos because Mm -hmm. a lot of people watch a video when they're not supposed to be. So they're reading it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. I'm a big video person and I've never really and the, the tools I use don't put the captions on, so I'm trying to get used to some different things. Um, another, because people ask me these questions about content a lot, there are there are tons of different resources and tools, but there are a, free, a few free ones people can go search. Let's say, I don't know, maybe they're newer in the industry and they want to get this right, and they, you know, they don't have all the questions yet you know are, do you ever recommend or do you use things like you know i know there's answer the public right like that's a oh, curator of that you yeah. can type something in and get ideas at least like idea generation
2: i i just think that you have so much information at your fingertips i don't like to try to anticipate what people are asking questions about mm-hmm. because i'm listening to their questions all day long So, but, but, well, that said, um, when there's new updates, so pay attention to your guidelines when, when HUD releases new guidelines for FHA or when Fannie does a, a a seller guide update, read that bullet point and see if there's something in there that you know is going to cause confusion. So like and one of the people th- that
0: aren't in the mortgage
2: industry, because we do have oh. listeners who are in
0: all different industries. So like anything that changes in your industry that could confuse consumers, you would say, just be proactive is what you're saying, correct?
2: Yes. And, and a really, really good thing to do is newsjacking. So if there's any news at all about your industry... Get in front of it and have an opinion. Don't make, don't put your foot down necessarily, but discuss it. What could this mean? What could this change mean? So, again, I'm in the mortgage industry, so that's all I can really rely on. <laughs> um, but but you know the new administration is talking about this, this really unique twenty five thousand dollars first time home buyer program. Mm-hmm. That's only yeah. available if your parents never owned a home. So like there's some weird nuances to it. There's a lot of questions that we can talk about, but that's front and center and it's in the news all day long. So if there are, if there are changes to your industry, if there are changes to laws or rules, especially if they're coming down the pike, um, newsjacking is great because you start creating content about things that are already in the news sphere and the news channels are talking about it and and you're just one more opinion of it then you kind of become you kind of become that authority uh that's one way to do it and then the other one again is in any business that you are in you have so many stories of if you're an attorney of cases that you've that you've done without using real names and people You're solving problems. Any business, any business where you're solving problems, where you're a service based business, you have stories and you've heard the same stories over and over again. You know what people's need was, uh, what their need was. uh, You know what your solution is, and you know how to talk through that. And you post that right on your blog, you put that up. You put it, you, you put it on your, you put it on your blog. And if you, and and again, I'm, I'm telling you, it's worth it. People have this unreasonable fear of video. I have an unreasonable fear of video. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying it's me. I absolutely get stressed out when I do videos, but then when you do it, you're, you, you know, you get, okay. You just have to overcome the fear. Um, but having it on YouTube and having it on Google, I think is just so crazy important. Um. YouTube also allows you 5,000 characters in the description for the video that will fit almost an entire transcription. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order to avoid uh, duplicate content, uh, you want to write a couple of paragraphs if you publish it on your website. So write a couple of paragraphs about why you did this video and why it's important. Google recognizes if it's 30% unique content, Google recognizes it as 100% unique and it'll index it as, as that. That's really cool. There's like little tricks like that that you can do.
0: Wow. Well, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, the one thing that I just wanted to share with anybody listening is that if you had told me, if, if someone had told me, if I had this conversation with you, Scott, 10 years ago, that, you know, I started in the vid, my content source was video. I started doing videos and I still... I have a couple that I've left alone. I don't even think I have a title on the video, but those videos that I created that they would have 25,000 views on YouTube for certain topics, or that my office would be scheduling 30 appointments just this week alone with, you know, with brand new potential clients just from content that people are finding on the website that we're putting out. I'm not sure I would believe it. Right. Like. Hearing our interview and stuff, we more want people to hear this because it does take time. It's a long game, right? Like they, it's it's not overnight, but you gotta start. And mm-hmm. I can say that I'm kicking myself that I didn't stay as consistent as I wish I had been. But you know what? It's never too late to start and to start doing it. Because if you at any point want your business to not just be about you or one thing, it's a safety thing, it's a security, it's a helping people, adding value. And, you know, I, I just more or less want to make sure what, you know, to kind of sum it up for everyone, what would be your one piece of advice to anyone listening to, if they're not doing content of any shape or form, what would be your golden nugget as we kind of sign off here?
2: Oh boy. Um, The first thing I tell everybody is you have no competition if you publish content because there is only one you. And when you create your content, be genuine, be you, um, don't try to be somebody that you're not. Don't put on a shock jock radio voice and (laughs) and try to be crazy. Just talk like you talk, like you you, create content. Like you're explaining what you do to your mother. That's how Mm -hmm. I like to try to create content. Don't, don't try to, don't, don't try to be fancy and try to stand out and then literally just do it. This is the reason we're talking about this 10 years later and there is still nobody doing it. Your competition is not doing this. They're not doing it because they don't have the vision and it's not easy. But all we're really talking about is recognizing, wow, that conversation was a good piece of content and getting in the habit of Doing the short term of activity of documenting that conversation on the spot when it happens. Mm. Or write it down on a notebook and do it on Saturday. Do the three to five questions on Saturday um, that you heard during the week. This stuff isn't difficult. It it there is some complexity to it once you start talking about optimizing it and having it found and conversion, but it's not hard. Technology is so much easier today than it's ever been, and quite frankly, just stop being selfish. You have all of this information, all of this expertise in your brain, and you have the opportunity to change the world one person at a time by putting it in a place where that person can find your answers. and And I think that's our responsibility as as professionals. Uh, you know, especially in our industry, our industry is hard. If you didn't really love helping people, you wouldn't be able to get up every morning, right? Because it's like every day you're like, why am I in this business? (laughs) So so it's, yeah, just get over yourself. Really. I mean, people are like, I'm afraid to get in video, but nobody has ever passed out or turned and ran screaming (laughs) when you were having a face-to-face conversation with them. I don't know about
1: all that, Scott. I've ran away a few times. Well,
0: <laughs> and if anyone ever says anything to you, I've had people say stuff to me, I'll respond back and say, send me your video you created. I'll I'll give you some critique too. And guess what? They don't have any.
2: Listen, if you've got haters, you're doing it right. Honestly, that's the best thing you could possibly hate you could possibly hope for is that enough people see it so that you have haters. Because that means you're doing it right and they're just jealous. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. For adding, you know, just so much value for people listening. Like, get out there, guys. Like, let's get over ourselves. Let's write some content. Um, I'm going to hold Dre accountable this week to a couple blog posts, couple videos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll see about that.
0: <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Where can people um, find you? What are the websites or social media channels that you, you know, if anyone listening would have any questions for you?
2: Yeah, I'm not a big social media person. I am on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just search my name.
0: Uh, we will put and, links and to my, them in the show notes for everyone, too. We'll get those from you. Is,
2: and my website, my consumer direct website is findmywayhome.com. And uh, it's going through, it's always going through changes, but you can kind of see some of the stuff that I'm doing there. Um, and, you know, if anybody ever has conversation, anybody ever wants to have a conversation with me about this, um, I, geek out on this type of conversation. this has been a, this has been a great conversation. I, again, I really applaud you guys for tackling this topic. Um, so I, I'm more than happy to 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 have conversations with people about how to get started, what kind of ideas they have um, and just give you some encouragement to get over that uh, get over that fear and do it.
0: Well we appreciate it. Well hey. We will catch you guys on the next episode of the Collab Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday. See you later, collaborators. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, collaborators, I just wanted to say I appreciate any and all of you out there who have joined Andre and I on this journey and sharing just the lessons and the people we've met along the way. And it would mean the world to us if you would hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and more than anything, getting some feedback from any of you that are starting a business if you have a business and you have questions or needs or a specialty you wanna share, You can reach out to us on our website at thecolablife.com and our Instagram handle as well, The Colab Life. You can also find us on Facebook or YouTube at The Colab. And you can email us at hello at thecolablife.com. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned next week.